0: I want to pretty much continue tonight. The thought and the theme um, started last night. Last night, if you weren't here, we preached on revival and uh, we preached on what is revival. Revival is getting back to God and getting back to God's word. Amen. And we talked about how do we get revival and we talked about revival, something we need to be praying for. Revival is something we need to be listening for because God uses His Word to bring revival to our hearts. Amen. And uh, and then also we need to be um, not only praying for it and listening for it, we need to be living for it. We need to be setting our sails to catch the wind, if you will. Amen. Uh, but then we ended off with the thought of revival is something that we need to be praying for. I mean, not praying for, fighting for. Fighting for And what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like to uh, start uh, a series of sermons that I pray. I'll be able to continue tomorrow night and Friday night. Because when we talked about fighting for revival, that leads us right into uh, the text tonight in which we'll look at and I want you to look with me for a moment in James chapter number 3 and verse number 15. This, this text speaks about two different kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from above, and, and it talks about the fruit of that wisdom is, is peaceable and pure and so on. And then there's a wisdom that comes from different places and not from above. Amen? And um, so I want you to look at verse number 15. In reference to the wrong kind of wisdom, James says this... This wisdom, referring to the wrong kind of wisdom, uh, this wisdom descendeth not from above. Sometimes people think they get thoughts that come from God. If it gives you anger and it gives you an attitude and it makes you divisive or hurtful toward others, that's not from God. Amen. Uh, but, But this wisdom, he said, descendeth not from above. But he says this, but it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. Uh, what, what we have here is we have the three enemies, I would say, of revival. In fact, I think the three enemies of revival are the reasons we need revival. Amen? And so tonight, I want to speak. Well, by the way, you're talking about earthly, that's the world. You're talking about sensual, that's the flesh. And then we talk about devilish, and that's the devil. And so every believer, in fact, if you go to chapter four of James, if you'll look for a moment, he he says in verse number one, from whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lust? There's the flesh right there. He says that the, your, uh, your lust at war and your members, you lust, there's a the flesh right there. Have not and you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war yet you have not because you ask not. Verse three, you ask and receive not because you ask upon a, a, a mist that you may consume it upon your own lust. There's a the flesh right there. And then he goes on to say you adulterers and adulterers know you not that the friendship of the world you see, the enemy's here. We got the flesh, and, and then we got the world. Verse number four, uh, you adulterers, adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Uh, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth the grace unto the humble. Verse number seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. There's the other one. In this very text, you have the, 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 the flesh, You have the world and you have the devil. And by the way, uh, uh, these are the three enemies of every believer. Amen. Again, these are the enemies of revival. These are the reasons we need revival. Uh, Tonight, I want to focus our attention on the devil as our enemy. And by God's grace, and pray for me, that tomorrow night I'll be able to focus on the world. And then on Friday night, to be able to focus on the flesh. We're trying to focus each message on the enemies of every believer. And by the way, let me just say this. Every believer must face and fight these enemies on a daily basis. We need to face these. You say, what do you mean face the enemy? You know, you've heard the term face the facts. There are some of us who don't believe the devil's real. Or there are some, by the way, the the world has put out a cartoon figure for us. Some people believe the devil's some cartoon figure that just runs around stabbing people a little bit, you know? Uh, the, The world has painted a picture for us. And by the way, if you're not in the Word and having the picture painted for you correctly by the Spirit of God, you may take the devil lighter than you ought to, amen? Sometimes we don't give enough credit to the devil in our circumstances and situations, Some of us do not see beyond the flesh to know that it's not an individual. It is the devil behind that individual that may be trying to uh, provoke us or whatever it might be or attack us. You remember when Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross and Peter stepped in and said, I'm not going to allow this to happen. What did Jesus say? He said, get thee behind me, what? Satan. Now, Peter wasn't Satan, but Peter was influenced by the devil, amen? And there are people that the devil will use and even sadly sometimes will be that people. That that if we're not careful, the devil can use us to hinder some other brother, some other sister in Christ by either discouraging them or not encouraging them. Amen? Amen. And so we all need to face the fact the devil's a real being. Now, personally, be honest with you, according to scriptures, I don't know that the devil himself is going to come after me. But I guarantee you, he's got cohorts that work for him. They are, we, we use the term, you know, when the police pull you over, the long arm of the law got you. Amen? The fact of the matter is the devil is at the top and probably dealing with uh, wickedness in high places, amen? But he has an army that he has sent forth. And on this earth, there is demons all over that are doing his will and his work and his bidding. And you and I need to have our eyes open to see and understand. To Look, we can't fight whoever we can face, amen? So we can't turn our back. By the way, I... I The devil's strong, and I'm weak, and you're weak, and we are no match for the devil by no means, amen? And he is no joke, amen? He's not to be trifled with. In fact, the world's advertisements for all the devilish things do not show you the end results of these things, amen? They show you somebody drinking a can of beer or smoking a cigarette that is in perfect shape, they have all their teeth, they look wonderful, but the fact of the matter, if you put somebody up there who was addicted to alcohol, addicted to smoking and vaping and everything else, it wouldn't look that way, amen? You and I need a, a spiritual discernment to look beyond the physical and see the spiritual, amen? We need to face the devil as our enemy. In John ten ten, the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy. Now, some of you are saying, brother, I know in the text that's not talking about the devil. That's talking about false teachers. Who do you think sent them? Marvel not that they transform themselves into the angels or ministers of, of, of light, amen? Even the devil himself does that, amen? The fact of the matter is the devil's not playing games. He is a thief, he is a murderer, he is a destroyer, amen? There's no doubt about it, and we cannot take him lightly. In fact, I I want you to turn with me for a moment, please, to the book of Luke, chapter number 22, Luke chapter number 22. I, I don't always like preaching on the devil, I'll be honest with you, because he doesn't like it. I'm saying if the devil doesn't like it, he makes sure that you know he doesn't like it. In fact, I don't doubt some people don't even want to talk about him, don't want to bring him up because, look, it may take a battle to do that. Amen? Not only before you speak about him, but after you speak about him. He's not done. Amen? So I, I do this very carefully and by the grace of God and pray for God to protect and, and to hedge and to keep and give strength. Amen? I'm not trying to make trouble, amen? And by the way, you don't have to go looking for him. He'll come looking for you. That's what he did with Jesus. The tempter came to him, amen? In Luke chapter number 22, I want you to note with me, please, and beginning in verse number 31, Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 31, I want you to note what Jesus said to Peter. And by the way, we need to be mindful of what Jesus said to Peter. Verse number 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may shift you as we Now Jesus used the name Simon. He, he called him twice. Why? He needed to get his attention. When God wants to get somebody's attention, he usually mentions their name twice because he needs to get it. What he has to say is important. Simon, Simon, pay attention. The devil wants you. Right. Amen? The devil wants you. For some reason, Simon, you are a big target for the devil. And I think I know why. I think I know why. Look at verse number 32. I, I, I think this is, as we continue, he, Jesus said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. By the way, I'll I'll tell you what. Jesus said, the devil wants you. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for your faith not to fail. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Let me just tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, you're going to fail, basically. The the, the devil wants you, Peter. The devil wants you, Peter. And by the way, you are going to fail. And by the way, I would say this to every one of us, including myself, even first and foremost, I will fail. By the way... The devil's not only the one that helps us to fail, he jumps on us when we fail because that's when he really, really, really can help keep you down. You may trip yourself up. It may just be your flesh. It may be the world. But when you are down, that's when the devil's gonna jump on you. I'll tell you what he's gonna jump on. He's gonna jump on your faith. Jesus said to Peter, I pray for you that your faith fail. Now, you are going to fail, but may your faith not fail. Why? It's your faith that's going to get you back up. It's your faith that's going to get you going on for the God. Amen? You and I will fail, but may, may God help our faith not to fail because that's what's going to, our faith in his forgiveness, our faith in his mercy, our faith in his grace. It's what's going to keep us going. Amen? When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Wonderful, wonderful thought, Jesus said there. Peter, when you fail, I pray your faith don't fail because you need to get back up because you need to help some people out. Amen? Amen. But look at verse number 33. Here's where I believe one of the reasons that that, that the devil had a target on, on Peter's back. And Peter said in verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both into prison and to death. Let me just tell you what Peter said. You heard it. Lord, I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die for you. And I personally believe that Peter meant it. You say, what do you mean? I believe that Peter had a big heart for God. We know when we read and study the scriptures, he's got a big mouth. But he's a big mouth because he's got a big heart for God. Let me tell you who gets the devil's attention. Those that are a danger to him. You see, if the devil hasn't been bothering you, you may not have been doing anything worth bothering you about. You see, if he ain't bothering you, he may already have you. As long as you're neutral, as long as you're doing nothing, he don't need to worry about you. We say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, the crazy Christian gets the devil. Peter had a big heart for God, he he really meant that. See, the spirit indeed is willing. Peter's spirit on the inside was willing, but his flesh was weak. I believe that he had a target on his back because he had that kind of heart. And you know what the Lord told him, you're gonna fail. We have to remember what Jesus told Peter. By the way, listen to this verse in Acts 12, 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Herod the king wanted to do some persecuting of believers. He didn't say, I'm worried about the whole church. He wasn't out to vex the whole church, though I'm sure he'd like to do that. And by the way, the way to get to the church is to get to the leaders. He said there was certain... There's certain individuals within this group that I need to get my hands on. You smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And what did he do? He had James killed and because it pleased the Jews. He said, I'm gonna kill Peter too. But he wasn't just looking for anybody. He was looking for certain in the church, people that stood out, people that stood up. They're the ones that are the targets. The devil's looking for the targets. Pray for the pastor. Pray for your pastor, and if this ain't your church, pray for your pastor. Let me tell you what your pastor is, if I could put it this way. He's the tip of the spear. And then his family's right behind him, and then the local church is behind him. Let me tell you something. In the Old Testament, when the devil, when Pharaoh wanted to get the children of Israel to compromise, you remember that? Don't go too far, don't take too many, don't sacrifice, you remember that? Who was Pharaoh negotiating with? Moses, the leader. Why? As goes the leader, so goes the congregation. Leaders are the ones the devil focuses on. He gets them going in a different version. He gets them going in a different doctrine. And before you know it, the church follows. Sadly, because many of the church followers don't follow him according to the word of God. You say, this brother over here went in a certain direction. The majority of church goes that way because they're only following him. We must remember what Jesus told Peter, but we also must remember what Peter told us. 1 Peter 5, 8, from experience, he said, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. God, take it personal. If there's ever preaching you need to take personal, take that personal. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is seeking to devour people, but I believe he's most looking for those that are living right. Amen? He is. There was a time in the book of Job when the sons of God came before God to give an account, and Satan also came among them. You remember that, right? In the book of Job, verse number one, listen to this. Verse number one, chapter one, the man, that man, referring to Job, that man was perfect. You say, what does that mean? Was he sinless? No, couldn't have been. Perfect is whole. He was a wholehearted man for God. He was a perfect man and an upright man. He wanted feared God, wanted to shoot evil. He deliberately avoided and abstained from it. Here was a good godly man. And I don't doubt, and it doesn't say it in the scriptures, but I don't doubt the devil who's the accuser of the brethren. He's standing before God, probably accusing all kinds of people. And sadly, he was right. Perhaps God said, well, hold on a minute. Here's somebody I want you to consider. Have you considered Job? By the way, Job was a man who lived right. Had the devil considered him? Had the devil made him a target? Yes, you say, How do you know that? Because he said, You've put a hedge around him. See, how do you know that? He tried to get him. See, the devil, he, he's out there knocking people out left and right, but primarily he's looking for those that resemble him a little too much. Amen. And he tried, but he failed. We we must be alert to and not ignorant of the devil and his devices amen that's what we have to be we have to be alert to and not ignorant of the devil and his devices devices his wiles his plans his tricks we usually use the term the devil's up to his old tricks again you know why his old tricks still work amen second corinthians chapter 2 verse number 11 paul said lest the satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices but Here's what Paul said. We gotta make sure we don't let the devil get the upper hand, get the advantage of us. We are not ignorant of how the devil moves and operates. By the way, in the context, it had to do with forgiveness. The man that was kicked out, got right with God and came back, Most likely the people were giving him a hard time and not receiving him and loving him and forgiving him the way that they should. And Paul said, hey, we need to love him and confirm our love to him. Let Satan get in there and take advantage of that. Amen. The devil uses unforgiveness. He smells it, he sniffs it out. He said, oh, we got an unforgiving person here. I can operate here. I can work through this situation here. I can use this one to divide the church. I can use this one to hurt that family. Not ignorant. We must shut down. Maybe in our day and age, shut off his opportunities to devour us. Ephesians four twenty-seven. Neither give place to the devil. We need to be alert to how the devil operates, aware of how the devil operates, but we need to do something with that alertness and that awareness, we need to shut him down. Right. The best way to fight the devil is keep him out, first and foremost. I don't wanna to have to fight an intruder coming into my house. I don't wanna to have to get into a fight like that. So the best thing is to shut everything down, lock everything up, and don't do that. If he breaks in, that's another story. By the way, I'm not fighting too much. I have a Glock that works for me. But the fact of the matter is this. We have to be careful that we shut down the opportunities the devil's using to destroy our lives. Shut down, I said. Maybe even shut off. I think today the devil is destroying people, families, families, through the access of the airwaves. I had to take my phone and I had to put on that protection thing. I don't need pop-ups. I don't need to let alone look into something that I shouldn't be looking into on person. I also don't need no pop-ups neither. You understand that, right? Let me read a verse for you in, in the temptation of Christ, Luke 4, 5. And the devil taketh him up into a high mountain. By the way, the devil took Jesus up to that high mountain to give him a good advantage of what he had to offer to him. Amen? Watch this. And he showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world. And here's the last statement in that verse. In a moment of time. In a moment of time. By the way, the devil don't need a lot of time. Just give me a moment. A good salesman is selling you something in the first few moments. And the devil can show you things in a moment that might suck you in for a lifetime. Amen? Exactly. By the way, one preacher I hear often, it says, adjust your halos. Preachers have been taken down by the internet. The Pornography. Exactly right. Can't go too deep. You understand what I'm saying here. There was a time when dirty old men had to go off some old, dirty old street somewhere to go look at some things. Don't have to do that now. I think they say in Utah is one of the greatest places where pornography is being shown. In the privacy of your own home, on your own phone, and your own computer, young people nowadays are having their own phone with all the access that they could ever want. Sadly, sadly, Amen? By the way, mighty men have been slain by her. <laughs> Amen. I heard a preacher of a nice-sized church say to a preacher of a way nicer-sized church, brother, you know, what do you think we ought to do in communicating to our church about this pornography? How should we, you know, we got certain people in this big this preacher of a big church. So we all got a problem with that, brother. Now he's not talking about living in prayer, He's talking about the temptation. By the way, James 1, every man is tempted. Amen? You know, it's one thing to have something you never looked for, but it's another thing to have something you can look for. Amen? And this is the truth. This is very much the truth. We need to know how the devil's getting to us, and then we need to shut it down. Amen? Amen. Amen. And avoid it. Watch and pray. Amen? That you enter not into temptation. We must we must face the devil as our enemy. We have to realize this. Now listen, when I'm in the flesh, I only see flesh in the sense of I see you being my problem. You being my problem. You understand what I'm saying? But if I can be more spiritual and spirit-filled and spirit-led, I'll look beyond you and realize who it is and what's really going on. Amen? And therefore, I'll be a help to you and not a hurt. Because if you think it's that person, you're going to attack that person or hurt that person. Amen. Here's the second thing we need to do. Number one, we need to face. We need to face the devil as our enemy. But number two, we need to fight the devil as our enemy. It's one thing to face the devil, but it's another thing to fight the devil, and that's exactly what we need to do. In 1 Peter, we mentioned 5 8, where, where Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, of the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He says in verse number 9 of chapter 5, Whom resist? That's fight right there. Steadfast in the faith. We have to fight back the devil and we gotta do it steadfast and we gotta do it by faith in God. I can only fight the devil by trusting God day by day, amen? We talked about it last night, James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And by the way, that's a wonderful principle. You fight the devil, you fight the devil, you fight the devil and there's a guarantee there'll be some kind of reprieve. God is so good and great and merciful, gives you and an opportunity to reload, refresh, amen? In fact, when the Lord Jesus was tempted by the devil, and you know how relentless the devil was, again he did this, again he did this, again he did this. And then the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. God knows when we're in a battle with the enemy that we keep on struggling, keep on struggling. We need a little reprieve. We need to be refreshed and and renewed so we can go back at it. God knows what we need. Hang in there. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, amen? And he'll strengthen us. In Luke four thirteen, the Bible says, and when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a season. We know he's not gone forever, not yet. When the devil, when you're not fighting the devil, it's not time to be playing. (laughs) It's time to be preparing, amen. We must fight the devil. And in the book of Ephesians, if you'll turn with me for a moment, Ephesians chapter number six. Some of you know where I'm going already. Ephesians chapter number six, if you would please. In Ephesians, we are instructed on how to to do that, how to fight the devil. By the way, if you're battling, you're not losing. It's when you stop battling that you lost. Amen. If you're battling, you're not losing. Just keep that in mind. Ephesians chapter number six, I want you to look with me in verse number 10. The Bible says this, and you know what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why? Because you need his strength to fight the devil. You can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Amen? You see, it's only through Christ Jesus in Philippians 4, 13 that I can do all things. It's through him that loved me that I'm more than a conqueror. Without God, without the Lord, without his ability and his strength, I cannot fight the devil. But thank God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. We need his ability, his strength. He goes on to say in verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says in verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What we need to do is we need the whole armor of God. And we need to put it on. That's our responsibility. Put it on. Now, I want to suggest this, if I can. You don't have to agree with me, and that's okay. But I think the whole armor of God has to do with the word of God. I'll just give you my thoughts about it. You Have your own, that's good. And if you have one, let me know after church. Hey, there've been times people came up to me after church, they said something about something, and I just added that to it and said, Amen. Thank you, brother. I needed that. That helps me. I'm not offended. If you got something good, please let me know. Amen. But I want you to note this. I believe that with put on what 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 else you going? What, what, what else do you have that you can put on? From God. What from God do you have that you can put on? <laughs> this is it right here. Here's my opinion on how, how, how it goes on. L- look, look at verse number 14 as he begins the pieces of the armor. Verse number 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth. Basically, in my opinion, that's having the word of God. Having the word of God. Okay? And thank God if you're saved, you have it right here. But look at verse number 14, just the, the part number B, or part B, it goes like this, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So here's my opinion on this. The breastplate of righteousness is doing the word of God. You see, I have the word of God. I have the, the word of God that I know the devil is defeated by the word of God. How do you know that Jesus did it? Every temptation, it is written, it is written. It is written. How do you know it's the word of God? Because I write unto you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. I write unto you young men because you're strong. The word of God abideth in you and you've overcome the wicked one. The word of God is the only thing that overcomes the wicked one. Gird my loins. I have the word of God. Breastplate of righteousness. That's a practical righteousness. When I'm doing the word of God, there's a righteousness there. In my opinion, it's doing the word of God. Verse number 15, and your feed shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that's sharing the word of God. By the way, there's ideas. I've came up with a couple, one primarily. How is sharing the word of God a protection to me? Well, maybe on the job some lady might like you, some man might like you that you shouldn't be getting too close to. Hey, can I give you a gospel track about Jesus Christ and how to be saved, how to go to heaven? He stay away from the Bible nut I don't, you understand what I'm saying here? they don't know I'm saved I don't know if they're saved let's forget about that, maybe we get a little something no, 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 once you name the name of Christ maybe you've put yourself even in a place I Said, hold on a minute, amen, I don't know if you but I'm saying he's part of the armor. Sharing the word of God, having it, obeying it, sharing. Look at verse number 16 and and the first part of 17. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. In my opinion, this is believing the word of God. The shield of faith is believing the word of God. The helmet of salvation is believing the word of God. So what is that helmet of salvation? In my opinion... It's the hope of salvation. It's the hope of deliverance. You see, what does that mean? That means this, when I'm in the heat of the battle, if I think I gotta do this for the rest of my days, I might as well quit, because I can't do it. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying to you. If I'm holding up something real heavy and it's strong, and, and, and I don't think nobody's coming to help me, well, I'm gonna have to just let it go, because I know I can't hold on forever. Yeah. If I to keep on battling like this forever and ever and ever. I can't do it. But our hope is Jesus is coming again. We are not appointed in the wrath, but to obtain salvation, not to go through the tribulation. Amen. This is a hope that we have. Amen. The hope of eternal life. I'm just saying, believing the word of God. Amen. And then verse number 17, the the second part of the verse, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and that's using the word of God. I mentioned it already about using it against the devil. If you got an area in your life, you know you're weak and the devil gets you, find the verses that you need to store up in your heart and store up in your mind. You say, how does that help me to live right? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Amen? The emphasis of Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 18, if I could say it this way in simplicity. The emphasis of that text is this. Standing against the devil. Put on the armor of God. Why? Stand against the devil. Withstand against the devil. See, in this book, Paul, under the Spirit's inspiration, is trying to help us. Here's what you need to do to stand against the devil. The devil's knocking a lot of people over. Amen. And you and I need to stand against the devil. I will say this. We're in the book of Ephesians, look at chapter two for a moment. I want to just give you a couple thoughts from this book. I think there's some keys in this book right here. Beside putting on the armor of God. How can I stand against the devil? How can I stand against the devil? Here's the keys to standing against the devil. Look at chapter two, verse number six. And hath raised us up. Now this is talking about those of us who get saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You see, you could never stand against the devil until you first sit down with the son Jesus Christ. You say, that's salvation, right? You and I have been saved and raised up. By the way, some people say, how do you know you're going to heaven? I'm already there. I'm in Christ already there. So what does it mean to sit down with Christ? What it means is, that, by the way, when did Jesus sit down? Hebrews 1, 1, 1.3, Hebrews 10, 12 to 14. He sat down after he offered the one sacrifice for our sins Forever. There, there was no seat in the tabernacle. There was no seat in the temple. The priest work was never done. Never enough sacrifice. This one priest brought one sacrifice on the cross. It is finished. Paid in full. And then he sat down in the as he finished the work of redemption. When do you sit down? You sit down in him. You know what sit down means? It means rest. You don't have to run around and work for your salvation because you can't. You sit down in the finished work yes. of Jesus Christ for your salvation. By the way, that's the only way you can stand against the devil. You gotta sit down first. If you ain't saved, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. You, I have no idea who you are, amen? You'll never stand against the devil you don't sit down with Jesus first and become saved, Amen. amen. Salvation sets us free from the power of Satan. Amen? Paul's mission in Acts 26, 18 was to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light from the power of Satan unto God. That's what salvation does. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. It delivers us from the power of darkness. Amen? Translates us into the kingdom of his son, Jesus. Amen? Jesus Christ sets us free. Satan had me bound. Jesus set me free. You remember the woman... In the synagogue in Luke chapter number 13, verses 10 to 17. On the Sabbath day in the synagogue, she was bent over. This woman was stuck, bent over. And Jesus went to the synagogue that day. And here's what he did. He called that woman over to him. By the way, you know what I like what he didn't do? He didn't say straighten up to come to me. He said, come to me. Just as I am. Oh, no, no, we don't get straight to come to Jesus. We come to Jesus just like we are. And he touched that woman. And that woman was able to be up, upright. By the way, that's another word for being moral, too, if you ever study the scriptures, upright. She was crooked. She came to Jesus in a crookedness. Jesus touched her and straightened her out and they all got mad and Jesus said, she was bound 18 years. Satan had bound her 18 years. But I've touched her, I've saved her, amen. You see, Satan had us bound. It's salvation, it's his touch that made the difference, amen. Look at chapter number three of Ephesians, chapter number three and I'm moving right along. I'm almost done. I am almost done. Ephesians chapter, see I can't stand against the devil until I first sat down with with Jesus and I'm saved. But I don't think salvation is it. I think there's some more we need as believers. We find in chapter three, look at verse number 14. Verse number 14, Paul said this, he's about ready to start praying, he said for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it take to stand against the devil? It takes being saved, first of all. And then it takes kneeling down to the Father. So what is kneeling down to the Father? Well, what's he kneeling down for? He's kneeling down to pray. If you and I are not believers that are going to pray, you and I are believers that are going to fail. Why? Because through God... Psalm 60, verse number 12. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. I'm not going to be able to face and stand against the devil if I'm not one that bows my knees unto the Father and supplicates and prays and seeks his help and his strength. Amen? This is what we need. No doubt about that. You know, I, I, I read a statement and it said this. If we are going to be successful warriors, we must first be sincere worshipers. You see, before Joshua led the children of Israel into the land, the promised land as the captain, he had to run into his captain and he had to take off his shoes because the place where the Lord of hosts was was holy ground. You see, you got to bow down to the captain before you think you go out there and fight and win, amen? Before God sent Moses into Egypt to fight with Pharaoh to get, the, uh, to get the children of Israel out, he had to bow down, if you will. He had to take off his shoes because that place was holy ground, amen? Sincere worshipers from the heart worshiping God, Amen. Psalm 95, 6 and 7 says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Amen. Let me give you the last thought. I want you to turn with me to chapter number four. Before we can stand against the devil, we need to sit with the son. We need to kneel to the father. We need salvation. We need supplication. We need to be in contact with the Lord. But then chapter number four, Verse number one, Paul said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. Now I know it doesn't say anything in that verse about the Holy Spirit, but I have to put him in there. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to walk in the Spirit. Sitting with the Son has to do with salvation. Kneeling to the Father has to do with supplication. Walking in the Spirit has to do with submission. These are the keys. By the way, they're all positional. You could title the message proper position, proper posture, amen? You say, where do you get walking in the Spirit? In the book of Ephesians chapter one to three is doctrinal, talking about you being in Christ and all that you have. Chapter 4 begins the practical aspect of the book, and it's all about walking. In fact, chapter 210 says we're to walk in good works. We've been ordained to do that. Chapter 4, verse 17 says don't walk as the other Gentiles. Chapter 5, verse 2 says walk in love. Chapter 5, verse 8 says walk as children of light. Chapter uh, 5, verse number 15 says walk circumspect. It's all about the practical Christian life, but it also talks about the Holy Spirit in that part. Ephesians chapter four, thirty: 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that? By the way, we got to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember reading, I think it was D.L. Moody, he said the reason we got to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit is because all of our buckets have holes in them, amen? Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We all have a battle. By the way, if you don't think you have a battle against the devil, he's already got you. He's already got you, amen? May God help you and I as believers to, to face and to fight this enemy of ours, amen? That we can be what God wants us to be and that we can help others in their lives as well, amen? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the word tonight. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this place tonight that's never been saved, they can't beat the devil until they sit down with Jesus Christ in the finished work that he did on the cross. I'm so thankful that salvation is for free and it's what Jesus did, not what we do. Those of us that are already saved, we've sat down with Jesus, but you know if we're not kneeling to the Father in prayer, if we're not in constant communion, we're not going to have what it takes to win. If we're not getting up off our knees and being obedient and walking in the Spirit, we're not going to have what it takes to win and to stand against the devil. I'm so thankful that we don't have to be perfect to, to pray and we don't have to be perfect to keep on trying to walk right. We can confess and we can keep on going, and I thank you for that. Dear Lord, I pray tonight that you'll wake us up to the truth and truths about the devil and the fact that he's our enemy. We need to face him, we need to fight him. Give us the strength, Lord, because in and of ourselves, none of us can beat him, but only through you can we do it. Lord, I pray you'll bless the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's bow our heads for just a... A minute. We're in a battle. Every day, all day. If you're saved, when you got saved, you became the devil's enemy. And he comes after us. Did you get some help tonight? Did God speak to you about this battle and how we're to fight? If you got some help, just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, God God spoke to me. God reminded me. Put it down. Sometimes we've got to be reminded. Anyone else, God spoke to me, I got some help tonight. Father.